next door brother Three weekend rows of town By turning the whole place upside down Many awake will cause such a fuss It finally wakes the rest of us One man awakes with dawn in his eyes Surely then it multiplies Having you all here, right here so, uh, so this, this week we're looking at uh, uh, part four of our series, which all, is all about learning, living, and giving the gospel, uh, the good news, part, part four of reunion, the good news of Jesus for skeptics, believers, and the spiritually curious. So if you're a skeptic this morning, welcome. I hope that you have lots of questions, and I hope that you uh, are, uh, you know, this morning when you come, and you're on this uh, online uh, service that, you know, hopefully some questions might get answered or you, you might just uh, be able to discover some things this morning. If you're spiritually curious this morning, I, my, my prayer is that you would discover that Jesus is truly uh, better than any other way of living. And so, yeah, and that's the idea of the series, that the good news of Jesus is bigger and better than we ever imagined. I think our problem has never been to exaggerate the gospel, but I think that we've always underestimated it. And so uh, my prayer is that, that we would discover that uh, the good news of Jesus is better than we ever imagined. So, so we're looking at, at the gospel in 30 words, which is Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. And so we've got the ground of the gospel, which is that Jesus is God with us. This is the foundation for which we build our faith. And then we've got the four gifts of the gospel, that he shows us God's love, saves us from sin, sets up his kingdom, and shuts down religion. And then the goal of the gospel is that we would share in God's life, that his abundant life is good, and that we are able to share in his life. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. See, the gospel is not just a message that we preach to unbelievers, but we need to be regularly be reminded of the good news of Jesus and let our lives be refreshed and renewed by it. See, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and he's saying, I, I want to remind you of the good news. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. So, so the gospel is not just a message that we are saved by, but it's a message that we should live by and a message that we are continually transformed by. It, it, uh, in that passage, um, Paul's reminding the church of the gospel, and, and he's also addressing people who have received the message in vain. And maybe as a sort of, a, you know, a believe to go to heaven kind of message, rather than a message that has impacted them deeply and transformed them from the inside out. See, we are not just transformed by the gospel, but we are actually transformed by our response to the gospel. Jesus said to repent and believe in the gospel. So to repent is to change our mind. So, so Jesus came not to change God's mind about us, but to change our mind about God. And maybe we had uh, misconstrued ideas about God. Maybe we believed that he was angry, mad, or sad. And, and Jesus actually came to show us that God is a good God. He is a God of love, and he wants us to change our mind about who God is. This is what repentance means. See, the message of reunion is the reunion of who we are meant to be 
So it's the message of who we are meant to be as humans. It's a reunion of, of who we are meant to be with, which is our Father, and reunion with who we are meant to be with forever. That this is an eternal message that has eternal implications. So when we consider this message of reunion, the the idea of repentance is not what is required to come back, but repentance is the process of coming back. It's the process of reunion. So today we're going to look at how Jesus saves us from sin, and then I just want us to hold in the back of our minds um, the goal of the gospel. So the goal of the gospel is is to share in God's life now and for eternity, Not, not just to go to heaven when we die, it was if we see that as the goal of the gospel, then we actually miss the point. And I, I believe if we miss the point, we also miss the power. So as we unpack how Jesus saves us from sin, I want, I want you to just hold in the, in the back of your mind the goal of the gospel, that, that the goal is to share in God's life now and for eternity. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you that your, your message is good news. And it's not just good news for some time in our future when we die, but this is good news right now, that your kingdom is here, that you have, you have set us free from what has been enslaving us now and for eternity. And that means that we get to share in your life now. And so, Father, I just pray that, that the revelation of that truth would set in our hearts this morning. And we, Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are here with every person, no matter where they are, that you are present with them and you are illuminating truth. It is you that leads us into truth. And I thank you that it's truth that sets us free. And so I, I just pray this morning that, that the truth of your word, the truth of your message, would light us up on the inside this morning. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Uh, have you ever watched a, a movie, you know, maybe like a, a hero movie um, where there's like a, a bomb and the bomb is ticking down and, and everyone's sort of freaking out, no one knows what to do and, and there's like seconds left and you see it ticking down and, and the hero, he takes the bomb and, and then he runs with it and he, he sacrifices himself to save everyone. Uh, you know, I, I was once watching a Superman movie, and, and Superman did this. He, he took the bomb, and, and only as Superman can do, he, he flew into the sky, and, and we just see this big explosion in the sky. And, and so Superman has, has taken this threat. He's taken the bomb, and, and he sacrifices himself and totally removes the threat. And uh, we all expect that, and that you know that the hero has died, and everyone's looking, going, "Oh no, he's 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 died, and he's done this for us, and it's great." But we always always know that there's a sequel. The hero always comes back. But th- this is a helpful image to have when we think about what Jesus did on the cross for us and as us. He bore the full effects of sin on our behalf, disempowering it. He he completely removed the threat. And he removed all accusation and disempowered the accuser. In Colossians 1, it says this, For for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So, so the, Paul is talking about the fact that the gospel is taking root and there's fruit that's, that's coming uh, because the gospel is taking root. This gospel is transforming us. Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. So here Paul was talking about this idea that we get to share in the life of God. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul was saying that we have been rescued out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So it's important that we understand that forgiveness in God's language is to take away. See, John the Baptist, when he first saw Jesus, he looked at him and he said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, Jesus came and he removed the threat. The threat has been removed. The, the, the accuser has been disempowered because there is nothing left for him to accuse us of. Sin's power has been removed. See, Jesus let humanity murder him with the full force of sin's evil, and, and he dies and he kills sin with it. So now anyone who believes in Jesus and follows him into this death and resurrection, we call this baptism, that anyone who follows him into this de death and resurrection is given a new heart, a, a, a heart that is no longer infected with the disease that we call sin. Scripture says that we die with him and are resurrected into a new created life. Now, I know that you might be uh, thinking this morning, well, that's great, Michael, but if we're free from sin's power and enslavement, why do I kind of still struggle with sin? That's a really good question. I'm really glad that you asked. But I think that sometimes we actually suffer from a type of spiritual Stockholm syndrome. Uh, that's the idea that uh, when someone is, is kidnapped, um, they've discovered that sometimes people actually start to uh, grow feelings of trust or affection towards the person that's actually taking them hostage. So they, so they actually start to grow uh, and start to feel comfortable with and start to have affection for the person uh, that's actually taking them uh, uh, hostage, their captor. And I think that can happen sometimes with sin, where we become a little bit comfortable with it, even reliant on it. And so we, we actually, uh, we actually we, we learn different ways to take temporary happiness and fulfillment. And even though these, these behaviors are slowly killing us and enslaving us, we, we can't imagine life any different. And, and we can't see another way out. We, we feel hopeless and helpless and trapped, yet kind of comforted by these behaviors. In Romans 5, Paul said, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. See, one of the problems is that we usually think of sin as a verb or, or an action. It's something that we do, which is only partly true, and it's certainly a secondary idea in Scripture. See, Paul was actually speaking of sin as a noun. So, so Paul describes sin as a noun that results in verbs. So through Adam, sin entered the world like a disease, a disease that was disarmed for those who believe by Jesus on the cross and will one day be fully quarantined when, when he returns. So this disease that the Bible describes as sin, it infects the human heart and causes us to do dehumanizing things to one another. And see, at the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. This is what Jesus came to solve. This, this problem of the human heart. See, Jesus has come to set us free from sin, this disease, and his life and spirit is the cure for this disease. See, Paul says that through sin, death came to all people. See, the consequence for sin is actually built into the sin. 
See, death is hot on the heels of sin, and we have all experienced this kind of death. I guarantee you that all of us have experienced this kind of death, this, this type of chaos and destruction that happens when we choose to dehumanize one another. See, this type of death comes in relationships, in our health, and our well-being, and, and, it, and it causes chaos and ruin and destruction in our life. This is the death that, that is the result of sin. But when we are reunited with our true family, our true identity, and we are transformed from the kingdom of darkness and into his glorious light, we are given a new heart, a new life. We are a new creation. We now have a new way of living, thinking, and acting in our world. But the real question that all of us must ask is, do we believe and trust this? Are we willing to step out of our prisons See, the chains have been broken by Jesus. The, the doors have been opened by Jesus. He has truly set us free. But, but are we willing to trust him that if we step into this new life, this new way of living, thinking, and acting, that it will actually be a better life? That this, this abundant life that he offers is actually on the other side of us laying down our need to get life on our own. See, real freedom is not about no longer sinning, it's about no longer wanting to. In Colossians, 5, 5 and, uh, sorry, Colossians 1, 5 and 6, it says, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just, it has been, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. See, Paul was saying here that the good news of Jesus is the message of God's grace. He has freed us from what enslaved us and he has paid the ransom price for our freedom. He has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. See, God comes, he breaks the chains off, not so that we would stay in the jail cell, but he invites us into a whole new way of living. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has com committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I just want to share uh, some thoughts from uh, Bruxy Cavey's blog on, on this passage, um, and then we're going to look at a short video, uh, and then we'll tie this up, and, and, uh, and the music team will come back. So I just want to share three short thoughts uh, or highlights from Bruxy's blog uh, on this passage. And he says this, In Christ we are not just declared justified or righteous, we are made righteous. We are now part of the new creation without blemish. Our justification is not just a legal fiction wherein God declares us innocent even though we are still the same sinners on the inside. 
See, Martin Luther is rumored to have said that justification makes Christians like snow-covered dung. The same on the inside, but covered with the righteousness of Christ on the outside for God to look upon. But in our understanding, Christians may still be encased in the dung of our sinful, sinful flesh, but on the inside, our spirits, our true selves are pure and righteous and new. See, see, God's work is an inside job. He's transforming us from the inside out. I, I have a, uh, a, a really great illustration on this that I might actually put into the links for, uh, for someone if they want to watch it, but it's really helpful. The, the second thought that Bruxy shares is that the reconciliation of salvation is always described in the Bible as us being reconciled to God and never the other way around. We are the ones who need the intervention of Christ to help us turn back to God. He is, he is already ready reaching out to us in love. So this is not about us trying to get up the mountain to God, but this is about the fact that God has come down the mountain to us. The third thought is the great exchange, that Jesus took our sin onto himself, actually becoming our sin, and in exchange we receive and actually become the very righteousness of God. There is nothing like this in any other religion. This is pure grace, the powerful opposite of what religion offers. I just wanted us to just take a moment and consider that. Let's just... I think sometimes we just need to be reminded about God's grace, about how good he is, how great he is, how, how he has truly uh, transformed us, how he has truly given us all we need to live a life of abundance, not through our effort, but because he is good. Now let's take a moment and we're just going to watch this short video and I'll be back real soon. Hi, I'm Bruxy Cavey. It's a privilege to be sharing with you this week some thoughts from my new book, Reunion, The Good News Message of Jesus for Seekers, Saints, and Sinners. The gospel is more about a message for us to celebrate our salvation from sin, but to announce that we can be saved even from our religion, that is, from the burden of trying to achieve things, from the, the way of the letter of the law, for us trying to climb the mountain to get to God when he's come down off the mountain to come to us. And and save us through pure grace that we simply receive by faith. In the new covenant, we, we enter into a new way of relating to God, not a way according to the letter of the law, but the way of the Spirit, and, and this is good news. So, so the, old, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant prophesied that the new covenant was coming. In Jeremiah 31, the prophet Jeremiah said, I, uh, I will make a new covenant with you, says the Lord. He describes it this way, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. No longer is it external to us. We read our list of rules and then do what it says without any kind of internal heart shift. Instead, it's inside out, not outside in. He gives us a new heart. That's what God then prophesies in Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you along to follow my decrees. This new covenant is a new way of the spirit. And so... When we follow just the letter of the law, what's the rule book? What do I have to do? Well, our hearts can never be challenged to change. But when we ask, what's the right thing? What's the loving thing? And then we look around us and see where the need is, and we lean into life that way. 
our hearts are reflecting the new covenant, the way of the Spirit. My family and I were on vacation years ago in Germany. It was my first time getting to drive on the Autobahn. The Autobahn, no speed limit, super highway. Now we were driving in a camper, and so it wasn't that life-threatening as far as the speeds we could get up to. But I remember driving on the Autobahn, and I was going about as fast as I could. And I thought, how fast am I going to go? Because there is no limit here as far as the law is concerned. But then Nina, my wife, looked over and she said, just remember to be safe. And it dawned on me, hey, yes, now the question has shifted for me. In Canada, sometimes when I drive on the highway, I confess, the question is, how far can I go? How fast can I drive and still get away with it? Whereas on the Autobahn, it was, how fast should I drive and still be safe? How can I love my family well in the decisions I'm making behind the wheel? When I drive in Canada, it's according to the letter of the law. But on the Autobahn, I learned a lesson about what it means to ask the question, what's the loving choice? That's the way of the Spirit. And that's what the new covenant is like. Jesus came to save us not only from our sin, but from our religion and bring us into a new way of relating called the new covenant. This is really good news. And I, I so appreciate that 100 Huntley Street and Crossroads are being the media missionaries that they are, carrying this message far and wide. Great. It was a great video, eh? I think just such a great analogy of uh, what is the, the loving choice to make when we are uh, in the way that we treat one another, the way that we interact one, with one another. That is the way of the Spirit. So I just want to finish this, this morning just by uh, just, uh, unpacking really quickly what, what is sin? What does the word sin even mean? And, uh, because I think that it is uh, hugely misunderstood and uh, I want us to have a, a healthy view of, of what sin is. We, we can become very sin-focused, become very behavior-focused, trying to uh, you know, beat ourselves into some sort of behavior. But that is not uh, the point that Jesus is trying to make. That's not what the gospel is about. And so what is sin? Uh, we, don't, we don't have time to fully unpack uh, the idea, but, but just in brief, the, the word sin is the Greek word hamatia, and, and the etymology of this word basically means that, it, that it's to not take a share in, or, or to not partake in, to separate oneself. And so when we consider that the goal of the gospel is to share in God's life, we can see that then that the opposite of that is to choose not to share in God's abundant life, and that is sin. So in a nutshell, sin is the choice to live separate from the life-giving relationship of our true Father and Creator. If you're familiar with the prodigal son story, we can see that both sons are choosing not to share in the abundance of the Father's house. The sin of the younger son wasn't what he did when he took off with the Father's wealth. It wasn't the, the life of, of prostitutes and drinking and all of that sort of stuff. That, they are the verbs that were resulted from the original noun, which was to walk away from the Father's house. See, sin separates us from who we are meant to be. Jesus was a perfect human. Not since the naked and ashamed relationship of Adam and Eve has the world seen a perfect person. And, and how do we respond? We killed him for it. We simply couldn't handle what Jesus was showing us. His perfection uncovered our imperfection and sin made us feel shame for the distance between who we are and who we are meant to be. But, but here is the good news. If we let him, Jesus will not only show us who we are meant to be, but he will also help us become that once again. 
See, Jesus will reunite us with our true selves. His sin separates us from who we are meant to be with. We are designed for a relationship with God and to be connected to the true source of all life. Jesus is not our way back to God. Jesus is God coming to us to restore this broken and fractured relationship. His death and resurrection has defeated the powers of the enemy that have kept humanity separate. Sin separates us from who we are meant to be with forever. There is an eternal element to this too, that that this choice we all have to live separate from our life source, our, our choice to create life on our own terms, has eternal consequences. This, this choice for separation is ultimately an eternal choice. You see, when we become sin-focused, we are, we are basically uh, focusing on the fruit without looking at the, at the tree from which the fruit fell. See, sin is, is often uh, talked about as, as missing the mark. And it's not talking about missing the mark of behavior, but missing the mark of true life. See, missing the mark is simply eating from the wrong tree. The Garden of Eden story beautifully sets up this whole biblical narrative that, that life in union with God produces life and love and the, and the fruits of the Spirit and autonomy from God. Sorry, and, and sorry, and the fruits of the Spirit, but autonomy from God produces chaos, ruin, and destruction. This is, this is the story uh, that, that the, the Garden of Eden story is trying to set up for us. It's a whole narrative that the Bible then flows through. So we have two trees, two choices. Life and li- live in life union with God or choose to try and obtain life on our own terms through separation. See, the story of the Bible is about the reunion of heaven and earth and the reunion of mankind and our true home with our Creator, God. Jesus made this all possible through His death, resurrection, and ascension, restoring all things back to their original identity and purpose. And and this, my friends, is really, really good news. So I want to remind you, just as we bring this to a close this morning, what the goal of the gospel is. The goal of the gospel is to share in God's life. This has always been God's desire. And I want to suggest that in and through Jesus, the tree of life has been restored. And we now have the choice to choose life on our own terms or receive the wonderful gift of life that Jesus has paid for on our behalf. So the goal of the gospel is to share in God's life. And sin is the choice to not share in his abundant life. The goal of the gospel, sorry, sorry. so sin is, is the choice to go our own way and, and to either try and create life on our own terms, separate from God's life, or, or to take from others. Last week I talked about the idea that we, that we choose to take from others. We try to get life from others because, because we feel we aren't capable of creating life on our own, so we need to take it from others. And we do that by, uh, by manipulating and abusing others and dehumanizing them and, and often dehumanizing ourselves. And, and this results in relational destruction and chaos, a, a type of death. But in and through Jesus, we have been set free from the power and enslavement of sin. True life has been freely presented to us. We're set free so that we can share in his abundant life. And this is really, really good news. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for your message of good news. Father, we thank you that 
that this is not about us trying to get to you, but Father, this is about you coming to us. We thank you that, that the life of Jesus is a beautiful gift. And we thank you that on the cross there was a beautiful exchange. Our broken lives exchanged for his perfect life. We thank you that this is not about us trying to earn this life or trying to achieve this life, but just about receiving. Father, I just pray for every person right now that is, that is watching, that is listening. Father, I pray that this revelation would come alive in them. That this is about receiving. It's about stepping out of the prison. The doors have been opened. The chains have been broken. It's about saying, Jesus, I trust you. I, I trust that you are better than life on my own. You are better than any life that I could try to achieve or take from others. That, that There's this idea of trusting in you, Jesus. And I, I just pray that, that, that as we journey through this series, that the gospel, would we would be reminded continually of the gospel and we would, would respond to it. And as we do, we take another step of trust, another step of faith, and we, we step into more and more abundant life, that our, our reunion with you is becoming more and more real and more and more evident, that we would truly learn, live, and give the gospel, that our lives would be a demonstration, that we would truly be able to be those ambassadors who you are making your appeal through, that, that through our lives it, it, we, we would say, be reconciled back to God, that, that He has done everything on your behalf. Come home, come home, come home. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. We're going to hand back to the worship team now, but I just encourage you in this moment, don't, don't miss this moment. This is an opportunity to respond, to respond to the message, to respond to the gospel, to, to say, God, here I am. I've been, you know, maybe you want to say, I've been trying to get life on my own terms. Maybe you're saying, I've been trying to get life from others, but Father, I want your abundant life. Just take this moment to rest in His presence. Receive the gift that He's given I look forward to seeing you again next week right here in person. I can't wait. But let's hand back to the worship team. Let's enjoy a time of worship and praise. Bless your church.